Hi, I'm Andy Lockmeers, and this is German New Medicine Made Easy, your one-stop shop for physical, mental, and behavioral answers. You can listen to this as a podcast, watch it as a video on YouTube, or read the transcription or the blog. And if you're not familiar with German New Medicine, definitely check out my very first episode called What is German New Medicine? This episode will make a lot more sense if you do. And I've heard from so many of you since my last episode, and I want to thank you so much for your support and your comments. They have meant so much to me. Thank you for the info you've sent me as well. It's been really helpful. And I must say, I have sat down to compose this episode about 20 times in the past three weeks, and each time I was sidetracked by my research. What I found for answers on one day would be contradicted the next day, So it's been really challenging wading through the editorials, the blogs, the research, the articles, all of that, the videos, to find the information that I needed. It took hours, and yet here it is, finally. And I'll add that I spoke with doctors and nurses from both sides of the aisle, mainstream from the front lines, and that's in air quotes, since many believe we are at war, and we know we are not and also GNM healthcare providers as well and got vital information from them. So thank you to everyone who spoke to me. In this episode, I'll be explaining what many of the additional COVID-19 symptoms mean from a German new medicine perspective. And then I'll analyze what these mean and give you some ideas on how to move forward. I'm sure you've all seen the headlines, right? In the videos, COVID looks like high altitude sickness. There are more blood clots than there should be. Patients who have very low oxygen levels shouldn't be able to talk, and yet these folks can. You've probably also heard of the additional symptoms like if you have an infection on your toe or conjunctivitis or body tingles all over or a skin rash or blood vessels that are inflamed, you're at a higher risk for COVID-19. I will cover all of these as well. I just have to shake my head though at some of these symptoms because it's so obvious from a GNM perspective why people are having these particular symptoms. There's no mystery with German new medicine. And I hope in about 25 minutes you'll be shaking your head as well at the miraculous wonder of the human body. I'll do my best here with the information that I found and please know that this may change as more details of each biological program become available. This is my third COVID-19 episode. For each episode, the symptoms from the CDC have varied. In February, the CDC reported just fever, cough, shortness of breath, and in severe cases, pneumonia. That was it. These are the territorial fear and kidney collecting tubule programs that run concurrently that give us pneumonia. In March, they added sinuses to that list. Stink conflicts. This is lousy. It's the common cold. And now the list from the CDC has more than doubled. Fever, cough, shortness of breath or difficulty breathing, chills, repeated shaking with chills, muscle pain, headache, sore throat, and a new loss of taste or smell. They also say to watch out for persistent pain or pressure in the chest, new confusion or inability to arouse, that means it's hard to wake up after being asleep, and bluish lips or face. 
whoa. And this doesn't include any of the extraneous issues we've seen in the headlines, the blood clots, the skin issues, uh, conjunctivitis, and all of that. Another biggie though is that high altitude sickness where people appear to be breathing just fine yet their oxygen levels are low. What's up with that? I will cover that. All of us who know GNM have totally expected these additional symptoms because we know how the body works. We understand how it works. As our daily lives have changed, we've experienced additional conflict shocks and additional resolutions. Our psyches have experienced our frustrations, our fears, our fears of being sick or loved ones being sick or the loss of contact with our loved ones, our classmates, our friends. Some people have felt their freedom and their liberty have been taken away from them. Many people feel stuck and the list continues. So we're seeing additional symptoms because we've had additional conflict shocks. And again, these symptoms were expected because of how our media and our governments have spread fear and created hardships in our lives, all with hopefully in the intention of keeping us informed and keeping us healthy. But we now are seeing the expected repercussions of these actions. Let's start with the first grouping of the CDC symptoms and I'll start with the first one, which is fever. Fever is at the top of the list, and I've seen reports that it gets up to about 105 Fahrenheit, or that's 40.5 Celsius. This would indicate the healing phase of an organ or tissue formed by the ectoderm germ layer. The highest temperatures are with these. The presence of a fever tells us that the conflict has been resolved and the person is now in the healing phase. Their body is attempting to restore homeostasis. Next, the chills and the headache, like the fever, are common symptoms for healing phases and they may increase in the epicrisis. The headache is caused by the expected edema or swelling in the lesion in the brain. It's a protection of the brain, so it's a good thing. The next time you have a fever, just remember to put an, a bag of ice on your head and that will help to reduce the edema. Muscle pain is next and this is one of the newer symptoms. Doctors are saying this is in about 15% of coronavirus patients. They're labeling it as myalgia, which means it's inflammation of soft tissues, such as ligaments, tendons, and fascia. They're also calling it joint pain. Generally, these body tissues are associated with self-devaluation conflicts. It's feeling less than and a loss of self-esteem. Now keep in mind, you can also experience a conflict shock for someone else. So if you feel bad that your loved one is sick, or if you're feeling horrible that thousands are sick, these feelings can also cause us to experience a conflict shock. And in this case of connective tissue, it's a self-devaluation conflict, feeling less than in the location where it's located, and this is the chest. The next symptom is repeated shaking with chills. And I couldn't really determine what kind of shaking was occurring, what it looked like. So I'm going to give you two possibilities. First, chills are common in any healing phase where there's a higher temperature. The higher it is, the more apt you are to have chills. And these would be like a rapid muscle movements. Many of us have felt those. The second possibility is that it's an epicrisis or at least the healing phase of a motor conflict. So feeling stuck, like you can't move. There is functional loss of our muscles when we're upset in the conflict active phase, 
and then functioning is restored in the healing phase and that's when we see muscle movement but again i couldn't see i couldn't determine exactly what the muscle movements were like in the shivering and the shaking so i'm just saying i couldn't really determine exactly what this looked like it could be one of these two programs and i'll keep researching this the cough is next it's the healing phase of a territorial fear program and i mentioned that and covered that in episode three the shortness of breath or difficulty breathing i'm going to cover those in a little bit the sore throat is next that's easy it's the throat mucosa program which is not wanting to swallow a morsel conflict. And in plain English, that means I don't want to accept this or I'm having a really hard time accepting this. Yep, I think a lot of us are feeling that right now. It's cell loss in the conflict active phase and cell replenishment in the healing phase, which is a sore throat. The newest symptom from the CDC is a new loss of sense of smell or taste. Very interesting. So first I wanna remind you of a stink conflict, which is the nasal mucosa program. Something stinks, something is lousy, you're fed up. You lose cells in your sinuses so that you can, in theory, no longer smell this thing that is lousy. Biologically, if you can't smell it, it's no longer a problem or a danger to you. This is how our psyche takes care of us. The healing phase of this is the common cold. So let's look at the loss of smell. This is an easy one from a GNM standpoint. It involves the olfactory nerves, which are the nerves in your nose. It's a conflict of not being able to smell something or someone that you want to smell, or you do smell something that you don't want to smell. It's slightly different from the stink conflict, which is a cell loss. In this case, it's a functional loss. The olfactory nerves reduce their functioning, which reduces your ability to smell. And again, it's your psyche's way of saying, do you miss your loved ones? Well, let's reduce your ability to smell them so missing them isn't as much of a problem. You have to remember that we're animals and we're talking about survival mechanisms here. In the wild, if you can't smell danger, then there is no danger. Taste, loss of taste. I couldn't find any detailed information about this one, but it's probably the palate and back of the third tongue, part of the tongue conflict. And this is about not being able or not wanting to taste something. It's usually in regards to food. It's cell loss in the conflict active phase with the loss of taste occurring in the healing phase. So after the conflict is resolved. The tricky part here is that it's usually preceded by painful ulcers on the back of the tongue. And there's a real sensitivity to taste like suddenly everything that you eat tastes awful or it tastes like, you know, bad food. I haven't seen any reports of these symptoms, so I wonder if we just don't have the full story here. Although it's fairly common to lose your sense of smell and taste when you have a healing phase from a bad stink conflict, right? A common cold. There's a lot of congestion that can block the nerves from working. But these folks don't have colds. I mean, some of them do. And so if they have colds, that would be an explanation. So this is a little bit of a mystery until we can get more information. But those are my guesses right there. Let's look at the additional symptoms the CDC have mentioned. Persistent pain or pressure in the chest. And again, I couldn't find a lot of exact details about this. So I'm going to make an educated guess that this is a myocardium program, which are the heart ventricles. 
It's a very common program that runs when you have anxiety. The conflict is feeling overwhelmed. A lot of people have this program in general, including anyone who has sleep apnea. Here's what's interesting. It's in the healing phase of the left ventricle. There can be a backup of fluid in the lungs, which leads to a shortness of breath and breathing difficulties. Remember these? I had said I would talk about these later. Well, here it is. We'll also see a strong or fast heartbeat at this point. The shortness of breath and breathing difficulties could be due to a pretty intense overwhelm conflict. The question to which I could not get an answer is, are we seeing these three symptoms, heart pain, breathing difficulties, and shortness of breath together all the time in COVID patients or not? If so, then I think we could say that these are due to the myocardium program, but there are some other reasons as well, as we'll soon see. The next one is a new confusion or inability to arouse. And the inability to arouse means it's hard to wake up after sleeping. I think the mental confusion we're seeing is because of a new brainstem constellation. After Dr. Hammer discovered the cause of every physical disease, he then turned his attention to what we would call mental illness, behavioral issues, and mood disorders. He called these constellations, and I do teach a class in this. This is fascinating stuff. So if you're interested in that type of thing, get on my mailing list and I'll let you know when my next course is. The simplest explanation of the brainstem constellation is that it involves the conflict activity of the kidney collecting tubules in both, both hemispheres of the brain. So not just one conflict, there's two conflicts of this. So it's a pretty intense feeling of feeling abandoned, isolated, or having to stay in the hospital. It's the program that modern medicine would call dementia. Do you know anyone, especially somebody older who is isolated alone or at home or isolated in a hospital away from loved ones? Well, that's what this is. There is confusion so that we forget that we're away from our loved ones. It's again, our psyche taking care of us. We also have programs running that have short-term memory loss. And so this could be a short-term memory loss, but I'm betting that the level of confusion we're seeing, it's more the brainstem constellation program, which I just explained. What about the bluish lips or face? This is the periosteum program, which is a severe separation conflict. The periosteum is a cover, like a glove, over your bones. And it's a pretty intense or brutal separation conflict. We're apart from our loved ones, our friends, etc. Real estate comes into play here. Location, location, location. Each part of our body means something different because each part of our body has a different function. So the location of the bluish area of our body gives us more clues as to how to determine what the conflict shock was. Our lips, what do we do with our lips? Well, we kiss with them, right? So this is meaning that we're not able to kiss our loved ones because we're separated from them, or we're too afraid to kiss anyone because we'll get a disease from them and that's too scary. What about a bluish face? Our face is usually what we show the world, right? And now we're too separated to do that. We can't face anyone. Or if we do, we might get sick and die. Again, I'm just guessing here, but I think they're pretty good guesses. 
Another thought is when the world looks at you and anybody looks at you, you know, we don't look at each other's feet. We're looking at each other's faces, especially our eyes. And right now we're not able to see each other's faces or eyes. So it seems like it's a, a pretty big separation conflict for a lot of people. Those were all the CDC symptoms as of April 30th, which is when I'm recording this. Now we'll look at all the symptoms that have been in the headlines. We'll start with the COVID toes. You've probably heard that. This is a purple discoloration and bumps that appear on the tops of the toes and also on the sides and bottoms of the feet as well. Many kids and teens appear to have this. And once again, we're seeing the periosteum program, which is the severe or brutal separation conflict. We're not with the people we want to be with, or we want to get away from the people that we are with because we're getting really tired of them. Know anyone that feels that way? Real estate is important. Again, where's the location of this issue? Well, it's our toes and our toes are associated with trying to get a grip on something that's uncertain. And toes and our feet are associated with wanting or not wanting to leave a certain place, to move to a new location, or maybe trying to kick someone away or something away, or the ability to move, to dance, to play sports, or simply go to the store. And now our feet aren't able to do this. That's what it looks like. And we're seeing this more in kids. So parents, it's really important that you be as creative as you can to connect them with their friends. This leads us to the skin issues. Doctors are seeing a measles-like rash, a hive-like rash on the torso, in addition to the COVID toes. And this is more in adults on the torso. And this is a separation conflict. And again, look at location. What do we do with our torsos? In my world, when I give someone a hug, our torsos are probably going to touch, probably in your world too. I think that's the most obvious torso rash conflict. We're missing our loved ones or we're afraid of touching our torsos. We're afraid of hugging because we're going to get sick and die. So it's all of those things. Next is conjunctivitis, otherwise known as pink eye. This is a visual separation conflict. We can't see someone when we want to or we see someone and we don't want to. In other words, it's either we can't see our friends and loved ones or we're tired of being at home and just seeing the family we live with. When you have conjunctivitis, it occurs in the healing phase after the issue is resolved. So I wonder if we'll see more of this as time goes on. The next symptom is body tingling. This means you're in the conflict active phase of the periosteum program, which I've already mentioned, the bluish lips and face, the brutal separation conflict. If your whole body is tingling, then we may start to see rheumatism, that's in air quotes, and Raynaud's disease, also in air quotes. These are both longer lasting conflict active phase symptoms. Who knows? We may also see neuropathies, which are also in the conflict active phase. And once we're back to normal, life is back to normal, and this program really resolves, we'll probably see an increase in numbness in our body, and I can't even imagine what these folks will be diagnosed with at that point. The next symptom is kidney failure. According to Alan Kleiger, who's a nephrologist at the Yale School of Medicine, nearly half of those hospitalized with the virus have blood or protein in their urine, which shows there's early damage to their kidneys. 
I've already mentioned the kidney collecting tubule program with the brainstem constellation, the mental confusion or dementia. I really wanted to find out more info about the folks with COVID, diagnosed with COVID, who also have kidney failure. If maybe the prevalence of confusion is higher with them, but I couldn't find that. The reason we're seeing a higher number of kidneys that are failing is because they have the kidney collecting tubule program, which is the abandonment, isolation, or fear of abandonment or isolation or hospital conflict, not wanting to be in a hospital or fear of going into one. I think it's pretty obvious why a lot of kidneys are failing right now. Lastly, I wanna discuss the patients who appear to have the high altitude sickness. They arrive in the emergency department without breathing difficulties, even though their oxygen levels appear very low, as if oxygen isn't being circulated in the body. This is baffling to doctors because with low oxygen saturation rates, there's usually a lot of not only breathing difficulties, but talking difficulties. And that's not so with COVID-19 folks. They have low oxygen saturation rates, and yet they are easily talking on their cell phones. Ha! Huh. And I'm also going to tie in the increase in the blood clots and the blood vessel inflammation that doctors are seeing. So what is this? It appears to be four different programs that are occurring all at once. This is fascinating. At least I'm fascinated by it. The first program we're seeing is the lung program with many conflict relapses. Now this is a death fright conflict. It's either for yourself or you're worrying about others who are dying. The old medicine would eventually, if it got far enough, they would call it lung cancer. There is cell growth in the conflict active phase and cell breakdown in the healing phase. And this is when the oxygen levels decrease. It's in the healing phase. And that's to be expected. This is how the program runs. The healing phase, however, for our COVID folks, it's getting interrupted regularly and with many more additional conflict shocks here. So now we're not just upset that grandma's sick, but that grandpa is sick as well. With enough conflict relapses and vacillating between the conflict active phase and the healing phase, the oxygen levels never have a chance to return to normal. So they can be quite low, and yet their ability to talk is still intact because we're not seeing all the other symptoms that go with this after you've had it for long term. So these programs instead have been running for what? A few weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, 12 at the most? We're not talking somebody with lung issues for several years. And these programs now are yo-yoing in a dramatic fashion, so they don't look normal. This is not your normal pneumonia program, nor is it a normal lung program. This is one of the reasons it looks like high altitude sickness. The second program we're seeing is the pleura program in the conflict active phase. The pleura are the membranes that line the lungs and the chest cavity. There's always a little fluid between the membranes so that they can slide easily when we breathe. And this program is a conflict of an attack against the chest. Examples of this in plain English are, the doctor just told me I have pneumonia, or I have a really bad cough, <gasps> and now maybe I have COVID-19. Think of it as fear for your heart, your lungs, your chest. That's an attack against the chest. There's cell growth in the conflict active phase, so these membranes get thicker 
to protect us against further attacks, which causes chest tightness. Eventually, when the lungs have reduced functioning, we'll see a lot more breathing difficulties with this. Just to give you context, this thickening is often associated with asbestos and mesothelioma. Doctors are seeing the beginning stages of the pleura program. It's a few weeks or a few months of pleural thickening. In the healing phase, there will be more chest pain, coughing, and shortness of breath due to the buildup of fluid. The third program we're seeing is with the pulmonary blood vessels. These are the blood vessels that go between your heart and your lungs. They move blood with oxygen from the lungs to the heart and blood without oxygen from the heart to the lungs to get oxygen. The blood vessel program is a self-devaluation. And in this case, we're seeing that the coughing issues, the breathing issues, the potential for breathing issues, the fear of COVID-19, the territorial fear running in the bronchioles, this creates a perfect storm in which we feel less than or we feel devalued in our chest. Like there's something wrong with us there. There's cell loss in the conflict active phase and cell replenishment in the healing phase. And we're seeing patients in the healing phase or in hanging healings due to conflict relapses. In the healing phase, there is swelling and inflammation in the arteries and veins. And this is what doctors are seeing. Let's look at the increase in blood clots. Now I've heard two things about blood clots. Dr. Hammer said they are not caused by a conflict shock. They are mechanical and they're caused by immobility. So if someone's lying around in bed a long time, or if they're on a ventilator, right, they're not exactly exercising and moving around. So blood clots develop in the healing phase of the blood vessels, which is exactly what we're seeing. There's also a newer definition, and I'm just the messenger here giving you food for thought. The newer conflict is that it's a solidarity conflict, that people have to stick together in solidarity to be safe. Think of red blood cells sticking together. Hmm, yep, I would say this is pretty much what a lot of people are experiencing. In the conflict active phase, there's an increase in blood clotting factors, making the blood thicker. This slows down the blood, which presents the perfect environment for an internal immobility. Put inactivity of being in bed because you're sick or on a ventilator, and you see an increase in blood clots. And I always find it fascinating when we're presented with the possibility of yet another conflict for a program that runs. I'm almost done. The fourth program is the kidney collecting tubule program, the KCT, which I've mentioned, abandonment, isolation, hospitalization. And when we're in any healing phase and we feel abandoned or isolated, then the kidney collecting tubule program starts as a second program and it's called the syndrome. It influences every healing phase that we're in that's occurring in the body and it causes more edema, more liquid and more swelling. This means that the healing phase just got a lot more complicated and a lot more dangerous. With the syndrome, we see an increase of fluid, in this case, in the lungs, in the pleura, and in the blood vessels, which means more edema, more pressure, and organs that become stressed and overwhelmed with liquid. At some point early in the running of these four programs, the symptoms resemble high altitude sickness. So recapping, these four programs, the lung program, I'm going to die, 
the pleural program, the attack against the chest, the self-devaluation of the blood vessels run together with the KCT and we have the perfect storm that doctors have never seen before. They often see these singly and often at a later stage and now we're seeing them all together at a fairly early or young stage. That's what we see right now as COVID-19. Let's analyze what this means. I just told you about uh, 19 symptoms or so. Some run in several programs and four of them run in any healing phase. Three or four of them are about feeling overwhelmed or devalued in this area. Three of them are about fear or unable to accept the current situation. And eight of them are about being separated or isolated or abandoned. Eight of them. What does that tell us? Well, in my thoughts, it means that experiencing the lockdowns, the quarantines, are the cause of many of the issues that we started seeing after the lockdowns began in Italy. And remember, these symptoms occur after the healing phase or during hanging healings. What this means for us now is that we want to downgrade any anxiety we may have or fear. Downgrade them slowly and steadily so the healing phase, if we even have one, will be less intense than what we're seeing now. Educate yourself about German new medicine. Educate others if they're open to it because this knowledge can make a world of difference to people. So stay out of fear. Be calm. Accept what's going on in your life. Accept the circumstances. They are temporary. This is not forever. They are temporary and focus on that. So there you have it. And like I mentioned earlier, this is my take on things as they stand now. It's April 30th as I record this. We'll see what changes come down the pike and I'll update when needed. Take care, write comments below, be in touch. Definitely look at my online programs for learning German new medicine at andylockmears.com. Thank you so much for being here and I'll catch you next time.